The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Jacob Media Sports Network in partnership with AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Subscribe to the Jacob Media channel on YouTube for access to all daily sports content. All right, welcome back to The Fix, live in the Prop Swap Studios, AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio, Monday to Friday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Thanks again to Barrett Brooks for jumping on with us there kind of last second. He's doing a million things for NBC Sports Philadelphia uh, on the middle every day, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. So good stuff from him. But now it's time for the main event. John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider, joins me every night at 7.30 right here on The Fix, five days a week. You can also listen to John every Saturday morning on Extending the Play, 10 a.m. to 11, phillyvoice.com and Sports Illustrated at si.com. Well, John, the day has finally come, and just the sheer fact of not having to read and listen to the crazy, bogus reports of, oh, the Eagles made a call. The Eagles sent a text message. <clears throat> they received a text. That Those days are behind us, my friend. Yeah, 19 days. Seems like 19 months, um, which, ironically, 20 months ago, the Eagles signed Carson Wentz to that extension. So, uh, it's a a very strange chapter in Eagles history. This uh, um, this whole sort of soap opera and how this uh, quickly came apart at the seams. And look, everybody's got their uh, own speculation. Everybody's got their own theories. But what was pretty clear is that Carson Wentz wanted out. So I think you know all those fans who were, oh, he hasn't said he wanted out. We've been telling you he's wanted out and. The bigger story to me is how badly the Eagles wanted out of this. So that tells you how fractured this relationship was because I, I've been saying it for that entire 19 days and really before that, that's $33.8 million, Ryan. That is enormous. And, and I did the math today. They set the new precedent. They upped it by 52%. That's how badly they wanted to move on from this. 
There's so much here, John, and uh, I'll start with this. What are your thoughts on the deal? Because, of course, everyone had an opinion on that once it was announced. Um, I, you know, it, it, it's tough to say. I, I mean, there was one. There's one team. So when you can't create a market and there's no, there's no wrangling back and forth. There's no uh, two people bidding. It, it's tough to generate a lot uh, in return. So I, I think, from a standpoint of Indianapolis, was the only team interested. Uh, I think it's pretty good um, from the standpoint of what Howie was trying to do and trying to create this market and trying to throw out some unrealistic expectations to create that market, it doesn't look as good. So it's kind of how you frame it. But I I thought if Chris Ballard wanted to play hardball, he could have played hardball. And if you go back to Ron Jaworski, I know I, I saw somebody criticizing Ron you remember Ron said uh, the best offer the Eagles got was two second-round picks. And I kind of think he was right. People don't understand. And what probably happened is Chris Ballard said, okay, we'll give you a third-rounder, and we'll give you this conditional second-rounder that can turn into to a first-rounder. And, and that's how you sort of close that little bit of a, a – a, chasm, so to speak, and, and you get the deal done. But I, I think if he waited and said, nope, two second-round picks, the Eagles would have had to do it. But I, I think, you know, one of the things – I used to talk about this in, in reference to Sam Hinkie, and people didn't understand why um, a lot of the things he was doing was bad for the organization for reasons you didn't understand. And one of them was other general managers didn't like to deal with him. There's a there's a sort of code of professionalism uh, between general managers, and I thought Chris Ballard essentially said, you know, we're willing to pay for value, so we put a safety net in. If Carson Wentz produces and we make the playoffs, I'll give you a pick in the twenties. That's fair, I, and I don't think he had to do that. I think he did it to sort of create that goodwill. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Carson Wentz traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, man, all right, so now what, John? I mean, and, and we've speculated about this, uh, but now that the trade is here, it, it occurred. Carson Wentz is out. Um, <laughs> where does the team go from here? And just if you want to summarize anything that, you know, led up to this point. But now that it's officially here, it's kind of, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's crazy. We all knew it was coming, but once it's finally here, it's just like, wow. (laughs) Well, I've been saying, I mean, this has to be the domino. You have to to finish this before you can do anything else. So the Eagles essentially finally turned the page today. And now they can move forward to the sort of transition that Jeffrey Lurie was talking about, whether you want to call it that or rebuild. And it starts with Jalen Hurts, and they've made it clear already to me that, look, he's going to get an opportunity. But And I wrote about this on Sports Illustrated. They didn't want Nick Sirianni to have to deal with controversy, but now they think it's just going to be straightforward competition. So. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in to compete with Jalen Hurts because obviously it'll tell you a lot 
of what they think of Jalen Hurts' ceiling as a player. In other words, if they draft, you know, Kyle Trask, a lot of people will say him because Brian Johnson is here. He's very familiar with him from Florida. So if they get him in the second, third round, they think, you know, pretty highly of Hurts. If they sign like a Terod Taylor, who was with Shane Steichen with the Chargers as a bridge quarterback, tells you they think Jalen Hurts has a ceiling. But if they use that sixth pick on a quarterback or even move up to get a quarterback even higher, because remember, now they have additional draft capital to work with, that tells you that they don't think he's a starting quarterback. So I, I think that's the most interesting thing from a quarterback standpoint. To we'll see how the Eagles play this moving forward. You know, it'll, it'll tell you pretty much everything you need to know about what they think about Jalen Hurts. And then, look, there's so many. Zach Ertz, I think, is going to get traded relatively soon. Um, and then you start talking about other veteran players. We know Alshon Jeffrey, Malik Jackson, Sean Jackson, players like that. They're they're out of here. But the Eagles have to make a decision on Derek Barnett. Do they? want to extend him? Do they want to release him so they don't have to pay that fifth-year option they picked up? Um, so many veteran players, Jason Kelsey, does he want to go through this, number one, as an aging player? Would he rather go to someplace like Kansas City, play with his brother, play with Andy Reid again? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of questions uh, that um, need to be answered with veteran players, and, and, and now we can finally get to that that Carson Wentz is in the rearview mirror. And we'll get to plenty of that, I'm sure. But once again, just a couple questions kind of looking back now that it's finally here. What is the Carson Wentz legacy in Philadelphia? Uh, Well, I don't think it's very good right now, but I think uh, it'll get better as time passes. Uh, I do think, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, he was like a shooting star, and that's what I also wrote on um, Sports Illustrated. He burned really, really brightly for a very short amount of time, and then it flamed out pretty quickly. Um, but I, I do think, you know, if if he's not here, uh, the Eagles don't win a Super Bowl championship. Uh, I think a lot of people don't understand that, don't realize it. For whatever reason, it's bizarre to me. Um, But right up to that torn ACL, and I think, look, that's the demarcation line. He was playing like an MVP player. He he essentially got the Eagles to that number one seed, which was so important in that Super Bowl run. Because remember, they were not playing well early in the move from Carson Wentz to Nick Foles, not only at the end of the regular season, but also if you go to that – divisional playoff game against Atlanta. They did not play well offensively. And then after that, Nick got hot and and the rest is history. But Carson had a huge, huge impact on that Super Bowl championship. It's obviously the only Super Bowl championship in this franchise's history. So ultimately, as time passes, I I think people will start to realize that. But, um, you know, when you look at Pre-ACL, LCL, post-ACL, LCL, I think you saw a guy who relied too much on his natural ability. And, 
you know, didn't work on the other aspects, the technique, the fundamentals, the mechanics, uh, to make up for some of the God-given, God-given gifts he lost, not only with that injury, but also the back injury as well. And I think you saw the slow downturn as a player. But even I can't explain 2020. I, I've said it all the time. I, 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 I've never seen anything like it. I mean, this guy played at, at, at a high level for a long time and all of a sudden fell off the table. You don't generally go from being – and people can say, okay, he was an elite top five quarterback in 2017. He never reached those heights again, but he was, he was on, the, on the brink of a top ten quarterback in 2018 and 2019, probably more in the 12-13 range. But still, that's above average. That's solid. And he, he was, if not the worst starting quarterback in the NFL last season, certainly in the conversation for it. And it, it's tough to explain that drop-off. It really is. You know, my, uh, my, my mother earlier today, shout out to mom, asked me, how did we get here? When talking about Carson Wentz and, you know, from, like you said, MVP, Super Bowl year uh, before the injury to this. And, and I couldn't really answer. I was just like, there's, you know, how much time do you have? But <laughs> I'll ask you as best you can. How did we really get here? Uh, I, 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 a lot of it, and, and I've said this, starts from the top and Jeffrey Lurie and I think as the years have gone by, unfortunately, uh, he's gotten more involved. And I think the more he gets involved, the worse things are. Um, because he's not, you know, he's not a football guy. And it's it's strange that uh, he doesn't understand that. Look, it's his team. He can do whatever he wants. He can certainly be involved if he wants. But we all know how that usually works out for owners if they – uh, get too close and start dealing with personnel and things like that and making decisions on coaches and telling, you know, guys who've been in this profession for 20-plus years that you don't like their choice of coaches. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Uh, you know, that to me explains it more than anything else. I, I think, boy, I you know, I look at that Super Bowl championship and – Whoever you want to give credit to, if you ask fans, some of them will give credit to Nick Foles. I, you know, some will give credit to Carson Wentz for making this team eleven and two and putting them on the fast track. Some will give credit to Doug Peterson for his aggressive play calling, the Philly special, all the fourth down. Some will give credit to Frank Reich, and he was the reason, and so on and so forth, and. Um, Brandon Graham for the strip sack and go on and on and on. But I, I think, you know, Jeffrey Lurie thinks he's responsible. And ever since that day, he's gotten more and more and more involved. And I often talk about the scapegoating problem. And every year he thinks they're better than they are. And when they're not as good as he thinks they are, what does he do? He scapegoats somebody. And this year he scapegoated essentially the whole coaching staff, except for obviously Jeff Stoutland and Aaron Moorhead. So um, 
I, that would be my choice. The, the added sort of more focus on Jeffrey Lurie getting involved in football operations is bad. It's not good. And I'm going to ask you about that in just a couple minutes. We're talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Is Carson Wentz, and this is really objective, this is an opinion question, I would say, but, uh, you know, there still could be a right or wrong per se to it. Is Carson the most underappreciated athlete in Philadelphia sports or Eagles franchise history? Like, even me, I, I've been very critical over the past couple of years, but now that it's over, we point to the Super Bowl year, we point to what went wrong, we point to the meddling of ownership and Howie's mistakes, and there's just so much to this puzzle. Is he one of the most underappreciated? Well, I, I don't think so. I, I, I really don't. I mean, right now, it's, it's a bad time to, to say it because obviously fans are upset uh, at the way he handled this situation, they wanted him to fight, and they, you know, wanted him to push it a little bit harder. I think for the organization, the team, the city, whatever. Um, so, in, in the short term, I think they they look very badly on him. But I, I think longer term, they loved him. Man, I, I mean, the vast majority of this fan base loved him, uh, right up until they didn't. So I, I don't necessarily say – I look at somebody like Ryan Howard. I, I think he was tremendously undervalued for whatever reason. Um, he was the engine of those great Phillies teams. And, you know, people love Chase Utley or Jimmy Rollins or, you know, um, Cole Hamels, who, whomever. Um, but, you know, Ryan Howard – was the guy everybody was scared of, the opponents. I, I remember in the World Series they lost to the Yankees. I, I remember the Yankees, like, they they let Chase Utley hit, I don't know, five home runs. They were throwing him fastballs down the middle because they didn't want Ryan Howard up with anybody on. Uh, and people don't understand that kind of thing. And um, I, 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 I think the fan base loved him loved him right up until they didn't love him and that'll continue but as i said as time passes i i think people will realize it was short it was a very short window but he he gave this city in a lot of ways like doug peterson as well and everybody else who was involved what they always wanted now they're greedy like any fan they want more but the bottom line is they still have that and, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, and you and I have talked a lot about this over the past 19 days, just it, it it doesn't end, just the drama and the uncertainty, it doesn't end when the deal is made. So the deal has been made, but, I, you know, it, the question is, is the drama really just getting started now, or are we officially turning the page? How can Lori and Howie right this ship as best they can in the short term combined with the long term? Uh, and then how much deeper can they dig this hole uh, in the short and long term? No, I, I mean, I, I think the page has turned and, you know, the future really hinges on their decisions and they've already made the decision at head coach and the coaching staff. And you just have to let that play out. 
and, and we'll see what they do from a personnel standpoint. I, I do think it would be a mistake just to hand the job to Jalen Hurts. So um, we'll see if they bring in legitimate competition at quarterback or not. Um, and, and then from there, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a rebuild, but they don't want to call it a rebuild. But as I've often said, rebuild in the NFL doesn't mean rebuild in, in the NBA or a sport like that where it's going to take years and years and years. You're you're at number six. If you take a, a superstar player at six, well, you're on your way. I mean, that's what this league is about, getting difference majors. Um, and they have an opportunity to get one uh, this year, and, and they know – they have to get younger. They know they need more draft choices, and they just picked up two premium picks. Um, so I, I think it starts there. Um, and, and really from this point forward, it's like every other team. It's about the decisions you make and how good are they. And I know people don't have a lot of confidence in Howie Roseman right now, but as I've often said, I mean, that's fine, but look upward because Howie, um, Howie's not in charge. All right, so we look at the positions of need, and there's a lot of them, but what's one area or multiple, it's uh, your pick here, that you look at on this team on either side of the ball and say until they improve this, they are not going to be able to – you know, improve and, and take that next step? Is it quarterback? Is it offensive line, defensive line, linebacker? You know, what, what do you see? Like, man, this needs to change immediately. No, one, one of the things the Eagles have been really good at, and you can't criticize them for, is I think they, they generally understand how to build good football teams, and that's why they've been uh, pretty consistently uh, good since Andy Reid in 1999, at least when you compare it to the context of the rest of the league as far as consistency. And that's you build up front uh, on both sides, offensive line, defensive line. It's not sexy, uh, but they have to fix the offensive line. And that could get fixed really quickly. Um, if Lane Johnson comes back healthy, if Brandon Brooks comes back healthy, if Jason Kelsey says, yeah, I want to play, I'm in. Uh, that can get fixed real quickly if those guys play 16 games, but they could also, as I said, yeah, Jason Kelsey could retire or he could say, you know what? I'd rather you trade me uh, to go play with my brother or play with a contender. Um, they could say we are rebuilding and we're not ready to win. And because of Brandon Brooks's salary and injury history, if they can get something for him, they might trade him. They might do the same with Lane Johnson. So I, I think those are the two positions and, and, and places on the field you look at. If you're good on the offensive line and you're good on the defensive line, you got a chance to win some games. So everybody's going to be focused. you got to get a receiver. you got to get a linebacker. Uh, that's all true once you have that offensive and defensive line in place. Because if you don't have that, you're going to have issues. And that would, you would assume at least, I would assume that that would impact how they go about the draft, right? Like if if, if uh, Lane Johnson says, 
he wants out. I don't think he's going to say that. But Kelsey says he wants out or the offensive line doesn't look like it could be at its best case scenario as far as guys coming back like that could impact what they do in the draft. So are those guys going to let the team know where their head's at and where they're at physically here uh, sooner than later? Well, I, you know, I, I think you're right. Guys like Brandon and Lane, I think that's more of a team decision. Um, with Jason, yeah, potentially, again, retirement is a little bit different. And now if you look back to that, you know, final sequence where people were trying to play it down, you shouldn't try to play it down because that was Carson and Zach Ertz and maybe Jason Kelsey saying goodbye to Lincoln Financial Field. Carson's already gone. As I said, Zach, I think it's the next domino to fall. Um, and, and Jason Kelsey might be number three. Uh, so he's a little bit different. But, yeah, I mean, the positive, the silver lining of all the issues with the offensive line, the injuries, is they develop some uh, players. And Nate Herbig being most notably Isaac Sayamalo has versatility he could move into play center so they have some options but yeah i mean they have more draft picks i don't think it'll affect them at number six but obviously if you lose good veteran players or you decide you're going in a different direction from good veteran players and we know that's already going to happen with somebody like malik jackson uh who was uh still effective last season as a rotational player yeah i mean you You've got to get replacements, and that's why the Eagles have been talking about getting younger and rolling this thing over. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. We do this every night at 7.30 on The Fix. Uh, follow John on Twitter at JFMcMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com, host of Extending the Play every Saturday at 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., so what's uh, what's up with Jalen Hurts? And, and also, just like, does he come out and say anything? I know he's going down to work out with wide receivers in Texas. And are we going to hear from Carson Wentz? Does he take an ad out in the paper? Uh, he's been radio silent here since the end of the season. Yeah, well, evidently he was talking to somebody on, on Twitter already. So we'll see. I mean, obviously uh, – for people that don't know, this trade is not official. It can't be official till, uh, until March 17th, uh, the start of the new league year. So there's not going to be any press conferences, anything official um, in either place, Philadelphia or Indianapolis, um, until that point. Um, and for Jalen Hurts, yeah, I mean, look, that's one of the strengths and people have said about him since day one and talking about him. And I think you saw that, and he's a a leader, and I talked about it on the show. He's a natural leader. Guys gravitate towards him. And um, it's just a personality trait. We know it. We've seen it. People can probably understand that from their real life. There's certain guys who enter a room, and, you know, people like them uh, for whatever reason. I think Jalen Hurts is that kind of guy. Um, and you see him already, and, and I joked about, you know, when that report broke that it was going to get um, players together to work out in Houston, 
Uh, it was a clear indication that he knew he's a starting quarterback in this team, at least for right now. It's February 18th, 19th, whatever we are. Uh, he's starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. He knew that uh, even before uh, the deal was consummated. Um, and he was actually already supposed to have those guys, but the weather down in Texas uh, made him postpone it for now. Uh, but you can already see that. That's one thing I criticized Carson Wentz last year, and I, I still criticize him for in the pandemic, not going out of his way to do more with his teammates. And that's not going to be Jalen Hurts. If he fails, it's not going to be because of stuff like that. All right, John, you get the last word here, and however you want to do it. I mean, just, you know, final thoughts on the Carson Wentz era, on how they handled him, how they handled trading him, how he handled it. Just, you know, go go wherever you want with this, but just sum up this whole entire story and, and what's next. Well, I, I, the, the most interesting and the only thing, and I've been here for every single day of the Carson Wentz era, I just posted a picture on Twitter today, this first day in Philadelphia, uh, and to where we got to at this point. And a lot of twists and turns along the way. I, I can't figure out, the one thing I can't figure out is, is what fractured this relationship so badly that he so desperately wanted out of a city and a fan base and really an organization that embraced him uh, um, right up until a different, as I said. And then from the Eagles standpoint, what fractured it to the point that you were willing to take on $34 million to get him out of the building? I mean, that's astonishing. And that's, that's the one piece of the puzzle nobody has, to my knowledge. And, you know, people say because they drafted jail. I don't believe that. I, he wasn't happy. But, I, I mean, that's not going to create this kind of, of, of fissure or it, – it, it's something else. It wasn't – you know, people said it was Doug Peterson. Well, they fired Doug Peterson. And they fired everybody. And, and, and that still didn't satiate um, – Carson Wentz, and they brought in Nick Sirianni. And where did Nick Sirianni come from? Frank Reich. So, it, it, and, and, and by the way, Ryan, they were interviewing those 10 candidates for head coach. They asked every single one of them, how would you fix Carson Wentz? So the breakup of this relationship is just astonishing to me. I can't explain it. I wish I could. Yeah, I don't know when we're going to get those answers, if ever, right? Like, we, we may never get the answers, but something something happened. Like, we're all not that stupid, right? Something happened here from Doug's firing from Week 17, whatever the timeline is, up until today, trading him that, like you said, we're just not aware of. Yeah, and it's it, that that's the frustrating part, and maybe we'll never know because Carson's you know, as I said, you criticize him all you want. He's he, he's he's not going to be that type of guy. He's going to throw bombs at, at other people, and obviously, you're not going to get it from Jeffrey Lurie or Howie Roseman. But man, there was a bad, bad fracture between the top of that organization and a guy uh, that they gave 128 million dollars to, 
or wanted to give that to in 20 months. In 20 months, that's how quickly it happened. Unbelievable. One of the craziest stories that uh, that I can recall in really NFL, in, in the NFL, not just in Philadelphia. John, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I know you were busy today. I'm sure you will continue to be busy, and uh, we'll wrap up the week tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. There he is, Johnny Mack. The conversation that I think him and I have both been waiting for uh, for 19 days, three weeks since the end of the season. Nuts. All right, let's get to a break, man. We got much more to get to. John Marks from WIP joins us to start the second hour, 8 p.m. I know he's got plenty to say. So you're going to want to keep it locked in right here on The Fix, AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. 